Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 10th is Romans, chapters 11 through 13. Continuing the conversation about who are the chosen people of God? Is it the Gentiles? Is it the Christian church, the evangelicals? We are continuing the conversation about who are the chosen people of God? Who does God favor? Who does God love the most? Is it still the Jews or is it the evangelical Protestant Gentile believers who have accepted Yeshua or Jesus as their Messiah, Christ? And the truth of the matter is yes, it's both. For the most part, people getting saved, entering into the kingdom of God for the last couple thousand years have been Gentiles. But historically, prior to that, it was always the Jewish people, predominantly, who were entering into the kingdom of heaven, even if it was after they died. Now, in Christ, because of the Jews, by and large, turning away from Messiah, Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit, began preaching to the Gentiles. There has been a falling away of the Jewish people, by and large. And yet, in verse 5, there's always a remnant that's been preserved. No other people group throughout all of history could do what the Jewish people have done for 1900 plus years. These people who were set apart genealogically by their DNA, by their family line, had no nation, but they maintained their bloodline. They maintained their identity as a nation, despite not having a physical nation for nearly 20 centuries. And then when Israel became a nation again, almost 80 years ago, it was a testament to the power of God to maintain his people. And yet there's these two competing identities of the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham. It's those by birth who are Jews, and it's those by faith who are inheriting the blessing that was promised to the children of Abraham. We Gentiles have entered in, but we must be careful and not ever think for a moment that we have replaced the Jewish people. Don't fall into the demonic false teaching that God is done with the Jewish people. He's not. Here in chapter 11 of Romans, Paul uses the analogy of an olive tree. And if some branches that were part of this tree were cut off and some other branches were grafted in, how foolish and wrong would it be for those branches that were grafted in to think that they didn't need the root system, that they didn't need the rest of the tree? Don't be a grafted in branch that thinks you're better than the branches that were cut out before you. In the same way that God humbled the Jewish people as they turned and rejected his Messiah, he could do the same for us, and he will if we don't remain humble. The Gentiles, of course, are the grafted in branches. Let us remain humble. Do not be arrogant, but beware, he says in verse 20. If God did not spare the natural branches, he won't spare you either. Keep in mind, you Gentiles do not sustain the root of the tree. The root of the tree sustains you. That's the way it works. You're not better. You haven't replaced it. You have your part. Be grateful for your part. 
and maintain that humility that is so important. The best thing we can do is remember how merciful and loving and kind God is, how gracious he is, and how much we don't deserve any of it. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Chapter 12 begins, Therefore, because of all of this that was just written, in light of all of these things, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or sensible act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know the good and pleasing will of God your Father in heaven. Sometimes when I hear a believer say that they don't know what God wants them to do, I want to ask them, are you conformed to this world? Or are you renewing your mind to be separate, to be like him, to be against the culture? And unlike the culture, have you presented your body as a living sacrifice to him? Because the word says if you do that, you will know the good and pleasing and perfect will of God in heaven. The rest of chapter 12 is a primer on Christian life. It talks about spiritual gifts, exercising them in proportion to your faith. If you would like to have a gift that is magnificent and has an impact that really shatters the gates of hell and sets the captives free, practice it and grow your faith. By spending more time in the Word, meditating on the Word, memorizing it, allowing it to come in and make itself part of you, then you'll have greater authority, you'll have greater faith. But it is interesting, and it's worth noting, Paul says, practice your gifts in proportion to your faith. And so we grow our faith by spending more time in the Word, by practicing our spiritual gifts, by meditating on the Word of God, by communicating with him and communing with him. Beginning in verse 9, we learn how to treat one another. This might be the most difficult part of the Christian walk. One thing is certain, we are not meant to be Christian missionaries alone. We are not to take the gospel into ourselves and then take ourselves into our homes and have nothing to do with the outside world. No, we are to be in community with other people in relationships with other people. And what should those relationships look like? Again, it has nothing to do with attending a service somewhere, but it has everything to do with relationships. Love one another without hypocrisy. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. There's that tribulation, flipsis word again. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. It's important to remember these are commands. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for good. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not avenge yourselves. But remember, God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You could never bring vengeance more effectively than the Lord our God. Let him take care of it. You will be forgiven in the same manner you forgive others. So often people with chronic illness are incapable of being healed and Many times, those same people are incapable of forgiving someone who hurt them deeply. We don't forgive people for their sake. We forgive people for our sake. And there is a link in the spirit between inviting struggle and strife into your life and not forgiving those who have harmed you. And I believe that's why verse 21 says, Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil. With good, our warfare is love, faith, hope. Chapter 13 says, Let everyone submit to the governing authority, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. The only problem with that is, in the Greek, the word governing is not there. And if you think of the context that we were just reading in chapter 12, it's all about intrapersonal relationships. It's about the body of Christ. It's about loving other believers and treating them well. It's about knowing them, rejoicing with them, weeping with them, being hospitable. There's no chapter break in Paul's original letter to the Romans that says, okay, now we're going to talk about the government. History suggests, if it doesn't outright prove, that that word governing, in conjunction with authorities, governing was inserted in to our Bibles by people, perhaps well-meaning and perhaps not, who wanted us to submit to the government and not just to one another. The word authorities there refers to spiritual authorities, people that God has placed over you in the faith, people who, when they speak, their words have authority because it's not just them speaking, it's they're bringing forth scripture and godly counsel. We are to submit to godly counsel. We are to submit to one another in love. We don't have to blindly obey anybody except the Holy Spirit. We don't blindly follow or obey anyone except God. If there's any doubt about context, look at verse 8. Once again, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. The scriptures were intended to be read as a letter. This was the letter to the Romans. The way we practice Christianity, we want to claim a verse and take it completely and totally out of context, not even realizing that it's not a completely accurate translation from the original. This is why Bible study is so important. So we understand God's heart and we honor him more fully. Maybe in part, this is what Hosea meant when he said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. It's such an honor. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, 
I am now offering personal coaching, executive coaching, relational coaching, even some pointers on physical fitness. If you are feeling stuck, if you need somebody to help you, it often begins with somebody who is willing to listen and fully understand as much as is possible what you're really dealing with. I believe this is a fulfillment of carrying one another's burden. And the sad reality is many of us feel most of the time like we're alone. If you would like a trained ear to listen to you and ask pointed questions, I would be honored to be that person to help you truly identify where you are and where you'd like to go. For more information, please go to BibleInOrder.com slash coaching.